This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. All eyes are on Johor this week as His Majesty Sultan Ibrahim Sultan Iskandar, the ruler of Johor, is set to be installed as Malaysia's next Yang Dipertuan Agong. So to commemorate this, I'm joined today by author Peggy Lowe, who has written extensively about Johor through her My Johor Story series, which include personal accounts of her own family life, but also stories of former and current personalities who have left their own mark in Johor. So today we're going to take a walk down memory lane with Peggy. We're going to explore Johor's vibrant history and culture. We're also going to reflect on its royal legacy in relation to the Sultanate of Johor. Peggy is joining me all the way from Johor today. Welcome, Peggy. How are you today? Hi. First, I must say thanks very much, Juliet, for having me on your show. It's an absolute pleasure. I have been a fan of your work for a long time, so I'm so happy that I finally have a good excuse to to talk to you, to chat with you about all these lovely Johor stories. You know, listeners, please bear with us. Both of us are Johor girls, so there's going to be a lot of uh, <laughs> reminiscing happening. And, yes. and that is exactly what you have with Johor, isn't it, Peggy? A very deep personal connection to the States. Um, you know, for anyone who might not be familiar with your work, maybe you want to share a little bit about your own upbringing in Johor? Oh, yes. Um, like many people in Johor Bahru, I was born in the Johor Bahru General Hospital, the JBGH. It was known as GH, but now it's Hospital Sultana Amina. Mm-hmm. At that time, both my parents worked with the hospital. My dad was a hospital assistant, while my mom was a midwife. And they lived in the hospital quarters at Jalan Datuk Wilson. Before that, they were working with the Kota Tinggi Hospital. So the birthplace of my two older sisters was Kota Tinggi. And then they were transferred back to JBGH. My mom told me that on the day that I was born, she was working a full day at the hospital. When she felt her labor pains, mom went home to bathe, packed her own bag and admitted herself to the hospital. Where was my dad? He was not at home. Why? Because he was warded in the hospital. Oh, no. So on the day that I was born, three of us, my mom, my dad and I were lying in the hospital because dad was admitted in the officer's ward for jaundice. Oh, dear. Mom said, in fact, my dad stayed in the hospital longer than my mom and I. (laughs) What kind of timing is that? My goodness. Yes. Yes. Okay. And you spent your uh, your your formative years there, of course, right? You you were brought up in Johor. How has your upbringing in Johor, you know, come to shape who you are and your identity? Well, our family lived in the hospital quarters mm. in a neighborhood with our parents, colleagues, and families in a multicultural community. So, from my early years, I learned from my parents' example to have mutual respect and appreciation for people from different cultural backgrounds. So parents and grandparents certainly play an important role in shaping the identity of young people. I remember being fascinated to hear my dad speaking to his Indian patients in Tamil. The older generation people may not be able to speak Malay or Bahasa Malaysia. So my dad would speak to them in their own language to find out what was their ailment before being able to diagnose or treat them. So my dad learned to speak Tamil Uh, from his colleagues while they were on night duty in the GH. So as for my mom, I remember being impressed with to hear her speak Malay as if she was a native speaker, complete with the Malay intonation and colloquialisms. You can tell if it was a Chinese or Indian trying to speak Malay. (laughs) But my mom spoke Malay like a native Malay speaker. So my parents were good friends with colleagues from every race. And it is interesting how the bonds they established 
had set a good example and a positive influence for my siblings and me. So since school's time, we had friends from every race. And the best part is we, we remain friends to this day. And um, my readers will know one of the stories that I enjoy sharing was about the N family. So these are my parents' colleagues. Huh? Mm-hmm. Why I call them the N family? Because the father, Uncle Nye, his wife, Auntie Nora, were my parents' colleagues. Names all start with N. And the children, Norma, Narima, Noraini, and Norman, all of the names start with N. So we became friends from young. And till today, we are friends. Oh, wonderful. So so it is actually an inspiration, that an, an example that they set for us. And we just followed Okay. All right. So again, you know, a lot of it um, yeah, has come to shape who, you know, came to shape who yeah. you are, definitely, yeah. right? And be growing up mm-hmm. in Johor. And and my Johor stories, I mean, lovely, lovely stories. Even if you're not from Johor, you know, really wonderful to be, really heartwarming, lovely stories. Uh, tell us a little bit about what inspired you to, you know, put all of that down, uh, to pen all of those uh, memories and those thoughts down into paper. Um, I would say I don't have anything that exactly inspired me, but it was a combination of circumstances that developed organically. So plus opportunities that were given to me and the support of readers and of course a collection of my dad's old photos. So I started writing as a hobby. Mm-hmm. I liked I liked to write and my dad always told me never stop writing. I, I once worked as a copywriter with then Johor Bahru's largest ad agency and I wrote for specific clients. Okay. And then I went to the opposite side of the desk to write for the mass media. So I became the Johor-based writer for the travel section of the New Straits Times. Last time it was called Travel Times. Now it's called Life and Times. Mm. So this section is dedicated to travel and it's distributed nationwide. So that was my opportunity to write Johor culture heritage stories to let readers nationwide read about it. So I remember it started very early, but I had an assignment that covered traditional craftsmen in Malacca and Johor. The travel editor gave me the opportunity to do a two-part story in the Travel Times. So when the stories came out, I saw that the stories on the craftsmen were so good. I said, very sayang. What a pity to publish only once it came out in the Travel Times. So I thought, can I also publish them again in the southern section of the New Straits Times? It was called Johor Buzz, early days, and then they changed it to Johor Streets. Now, I I approached the JB Bureau Chief and asked, can I please publish this Johor Craftsman? And he's, he's been following my work in the Travel Times. So he said, yeah, please come. He asked me the question, are you a true blue anak Johor? I said, yes. So he said, why don't you also write for the opinion page? So that's when I started contributing. That column is called Your Johor Stories. So I started to gain many followers, the readers who like to read this column because they could relate to what I shared and they enjoyed that taste of nostalgia because my stories are always supported by the old photographs that my dad had in his albums, the black and white photos they keep very well. Okay, and and of course, you know the um, you know doing all of that, you know the research process uh, was quite. I mean, I can imagine it was quite intense, right? So maybe you want to talk to us a little bit about that process. You know, writing sure. about the history and culture of Johor. For me, it always starts with interest in the subject. 
you must have enough interest to go to the right sources to get the right information. Now, writing non-fiction is unlike writing fiction. I must get the facts right, so I make every effort to verify the facts before using it. It starts with reading as well, because I, I enjoy reading from very young. It was a habit that uh, was influenced by my dad, because my dad enjoyed reading non-fiction books and magazines. So when I started reading history books and academic books, quite natural for me to read that. So one of the books that I read, I must mention, as I'm giving credit to the people who have uh, uh, cultivated this culture uh, in Johor, is the records in a book called A History of Johor. Now the Johor is spelled with a J-O-H-O-R-E at the back. Mm -hmm. And the writer was a former British general advisor in Johor, R.O. Winstead. Now, I know the book is out of print now, but it is being digitally preserved by the Yayasan Warisan Johor of the Johor Heritage Foundation because they are keeping this for reference in their resource centre. Now, this book contained very solid information about Johor in that era, but reading it was very difficult because his old-fashioned style of writing made me read and reread just to understand it. Another resource that I used was books by Datin Patricia Lim. Now, Datin Pak is a professional librarian and a historian. She has authored many good books on Johor, including one on her great-grandfather, who happens to be Mr. Wong Afo. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, so this book was so important because he was immigrant builder and entrepreneur and and she wrote about jaw history and the local landscape, which gave me a very clear insight into the social life of the Chinese immigrants, their role in the development of Johor Bahru, and that the working together with the local people to turn a jungle into a thriving township of Johor Bahru. Another person that I must acknowledge is Dato Dr. Abdul Rahim Ramli. He is the president of the Johor Royal Court Council. Now, Datuk Rahim is familiar with me and my work because he's acquainted with our family. He used to train in badminton with my auntie back in the day la, when mm. she was an active international sportswoman. So while I was writing for the Johor Streets, Datuk Rahim was also publishing articles on the practices of the Johor Royal Court in the same page. So he published a book in English called Johor Darul Takzim an abode of dignity. So from that book, I was able to get more information to verify some of the things that I was studying. And he confirmed many facts for me, for me because he was very generous with his knowledge. And he is my go-to person on Malay history and Johor heritage. Okay. And um, one of the things I, I must comment also is that going to the source to get the information is very important. We don't we don't write something by reading a brochure or something like that, but you need to go to the source. For example, I, I just give an example that my travel editor back in the day always tell me, write from the experience. So it's a style, it's experiential. So I, my stories would take you there. And that's the way that I've been told that when they read my stuff, is as if they were there. You know, yeah. so when I went to the Johor Old Temple, I went there for to get the story. The curator was ready to talk to me, but I don't speak Mandarin. 
and he don't speak English. So we had a chicken and a duck situation mm -hmm. where how do we get, get through this? So I can do Cantonese, but he can do broken Cantonese. So between the two of us, he opened the record books and he translated line by line to me and to make me understand, to summarize it, to write it in English. So that's how I managed to share my story on the Johor Bahru's old temple, which is called the Temple of Unity. So it is interesting. I'm going to come to this point where my writing is concerned because most of the Chinese cultural stories and events are published in Chinese. So the Chinese people who don't read Chinese, they don't have any access to this information. Okay. So I realized how important it was for me to share stories about Chinese culture and heritage in English for the Chinese who do not read Chinese to read it in English. And then finally, they discover about their own culture and heritage. So along the way, I met a lot of people who are very kind to me, people who are bilingual in English and Mandarin, so they helped me with the translation to explain the significance of uh, every detail so that I can write more accurately. So another thing is that I particip participate in many Indian and Malay events as well. And again, they were very, very helpful people. I must mention them by name because they have really helped me understand more about the culture and heritage in Johor. In the, in the Malay culture and heritage, this gentleman is Haji Shafi'i. Ahmad. He's now retired, but mm. he was with the Yayasan Warisan Johor. And he explained to me many details about the Malay costumes, the Baju Melayu Teluk Blanga, why the button was like that, what are the stitches. And I did a full story about that through his help. And also the other gentleman is Dr. Ajit Baskar of Suvarna Fine Arts. He helped me with understanding and appreciating Indian culture, Indian classical dance, and, and the final points of Bharatanatyam. I, I never knew so much, but I, at these events, I probably am the only non-Indian there. <laughs> but I appreciate it all because I learned, yeah. you know. So another resource I must mention is my grandmother. My grandmother was a fountain of information. She might be just a homemaker, but she could tell stories. And she used to tell us all these grandfather stories. People, places... I listened, went in one ear and went out the other ear, but it took me some time to finally join the dots and understood our link to the Wong family in Johor. So remember the main road in Johor Bahru is named after the Johor pioneer, Wong Afok. That's right. Now his brother died young and he adopted his nephew and brought him here to Johor and put him in a Malay school and made him study, read and write in Malay. Now Wong Kwong Yang was his business manager in Johor and he is the patriarch of the Wong family in Johor. And guess what? He married two of my grandmother's aunties. Ah, okay. Now back in the day, remember the Tauke can marry many women. Eh? That's right. So that's he married nice. two of my grandmother's aunties and that is our link to the Wong family. It's very bau bachang, but still that was our link. <laughs> But what an incredible link, right? And then you're yes. tying you back to the, 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 you know, really history of Johor, yes. right? Yeah. Right. Yes. And some of the stories was when when I was doing the research, I I didn't figure out. Then only when I'm listening to my grandmother's, you mean that's the one? Yes. So when my grandmother's aunt married this Mr. Wong, 
that family is very large and because of large families, they are spread all over the place. Even if you bump into them in the city, you probably don't know them. Correct. Right? Yes. So, but one of the things that I learned very early was the most famous of the Wong brothers from this Wong family was Wong Ping Soon. Now, he is acknowledged as one of the greatest badminton players of all time. He's the All England champion. And he was also part of the first team from Malaysia in the first Thomas Cup championship. That's right. And what is interesting is he started his training with my grandfather and they built the court together in the compound of their house here in Johor Bahru. How amazing is that? To be part yes. of that, you know, such an integral part of our history. We're so proud of those those moments, you know, as a, as a yes. nation, not just as Johorians. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yep. Let's let's just go for a quick break, Peggy. When we come back, uh, I want to talk more about some some of the other stories, you know, uh, that you can share with us. Uh, you know, showing Johor's uh, vibrant history and culture. I'm speaking today to Peggy Lo. She's an author. Her series, My Johor Stories, uh, includes personal accounts, her own family life. It's also stories of former and current personalities uh, who have left their mark in Johor. So we're talking. We're focusing on Johor because, as we all know, uh, tomorrow the Johor Sultan will be installed as the new young. So we're shining our spotlight on Johor. We'll have more stories after this quick break. Keep it here on Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Julia Jacobs. Tomorrow, we are set to see His Royal Highness Sultan Ibrahim Sultan Iskandar, the ruler of Johor, installed as the next Yang Dipertuan Agong of Malaysia. So to commemorate, we're talking about Johor today. We are sharing stories with Peggy Lo, or Peggy Lo is actually sharing stories with us. She's an author. Uh, her series, My Johor Stories, are lovely, lovely personal accounts of her own family life, but also so many stories of the state and people and places. Uh, so Peggy is walking us down memory lane today and we are exploring Johor's vibrant history and culture. And we're also going to reflect on it's our royal legacy. So, Peggy, before the break, you know, you were telling us about what sort of your own upbringing and also, you know, uh, what inspired you to to write these stories and how you went about doing it. But I do want to know, I, I guess, you know, people love stories, right? And that's something that you can definitely help us with. You, your stories offers us a, a glimpse into, you know, Johor's vibrant history, its culture. What are some of your favourite stories that you've gathered through the years that you can share with us? Um. Before I go into that, I will quickly clarify that I will discuss the Johor royal family and you will hear the name Ibrahim quite often. Mm -hmm. Now, there are three of these Ibrahims and I will address them differently. One is Temenggong Daing Ibrahim, the father of Sultan Abu Bakar. The other is Sultan Sir Ibrahim, who reigned from 1895 to 1959. And the other one is his Majesty Sultan Ibrahim, the present-day Sultan of Johor, who will be our next Agong. So um, among the stories that I have, um, oh, there are so many, mm -hmm. but I will just pick one or two because there's some significance to it. And funny thing that happened about this story, I did hills, historic hills and palaces. Okay. Now, Johor has many, Bukit Bukit, has many hills, and there are many palaces because Sultan Abu Bakar wanted to build grand palaces to impress the Queen Victoria, his good friend. So when I wrote this story, Historic, historic Hills and Palaces, it went out online. And then one stranger, a total stranger, a reader in the UK, an Englishman, his name is Richard. He read the story and he wrote to me. Richard said some of the places that I mentioned were similar to the 
places that he read in his grandmother's memoirs. Now, his grandmother was born in Singapore and married to a gentleman named Frank Mongford Still. And that means grandfather Mongford Still worked with the Johor Public Works Department in Johor mm. and was chief accountant. And then his grandmother was the headmistress of the Johor Bahru Niheng Primary School. So when he read my story, he said, you know, my grandparents were good friends of Sultan Sir Ibrahim and they often called him H.H. Interesting. Mm. And he said, you know, Richard was on a quest to discover more about his family links in the Far East. So he and his wife were travelling to Labuan with a stopover in Singapore and Johor Bahru and asked to see me so that he can visit all the places that I mentioned in my hills and palaces. So I said, come. So I helped him book the hotel. And when they came, I took them round the city over the next two days to look at all the must-see places, all the hills and palaces. Now, one day on the way back to the hotel, we drove past the road where was the site of my grandfather's house. And I just in passing said, hey, this was the site of my grandfather's house. We used to have a badminton court next to the house because my grandfather was four-time Johor State champion and he trained the All England champion and so on. So Richard remembered reading about my family's uh, passion for badminton. Now that evening, we were going to pick him up and go to watch a music performance. So I dropped him off and picked them up in the evening, but he came back into the car holding his laptop. I'm thinking, why are we going to a concert and you're bringing a laptop? So Richard came into the car and opened the laptop to show me something he was bursting to tell me. He found a newspaper cutting from the Singapore Library online, and it was a newspaper report of this, The Straits Times dated 1st November 1936. And the news that I, he made me read it. He says, Johor Bahru to hold tournaments. At a committee meeting, the Johor Bahru District Badminton Association, presided over by the vice president, the name was my grandfather's name. In the absence of the president, president the name was his grandfather's name. Oh, wow. Okay. Our two grandfathers actually knew each other back in the day. Of course, I didn't know. So when I went home, I was so excited to tell my mum I said, Mom, Richard's grandfather is Mr. F.M. Still. And my mother was so cool. She says, yes, I know Mr. Still. In fact, we have a photograph of him. <laughs> so I was so excited. I said, dig it out, show me. So I took the photo and I went, when I met Richard the next day, he brought his laptop to show me photos and I could show him our grandfathers in the same photograph. So I said, how canny, uncanny, it's incredible how we arranged to meet in Johor Bahru and suddenly we discovered our grandfathers knew each other. What and this is my world. story on the historic hills and palaces. What a small world, Peggy, my goodness. Yes, yes. And there was another story on the road names in Johor Bahru, a rich heritage in road names. That's my story. Now, in Johor, many roads are named after royalty, Malay leaders, Chinese pioneers, or the British expatriates who worked in the Johor State Administration or people who have contributed to the early development of the state. So, for instance, Wong Ha Fok was named after this Chinese pioneer. So what happened in December 2019, I received an email. Actually, it was 
so close to Christmas time, but I don't know why I opened it. And I saw this message. The, this writer said, is there any chance you have heard about Basil Draper? She says, Basil was my grandfather and was an architect to the Sultan around 1902 and 1935. I'm like stunned. You know why? She said, we are in Johor Bahru now, and I went to look at the road Jalan Draper. I am very familiar with this road because I walked this road to and back from school. So I know the road, and I said to her, where are you now? She said, in the hotel, but we are leaving first thing in the morning. I said, I'm coming over to meet you. So I went over there and met Sarah and her husband, Stuart, and we had such a wonderful time talking about Johor. Because in fact, she came to look for her grandfather's road. Oh, wow. How Literally. many people do you know that has a grandfather's road? You know? <laughs> she can so, say that, yeah. Yes. So, incidentally, her husband, Stuart, was a writer for the South China Morning Post. They are based in Hong Kong. Okay. So, he was so fascinated by my Johor stories that he asked me, do you mind if I write a story about my Johor stories? I said, why not? So he went back and wrote this story and published it. And it came out in January of 2020. And the story was how Johor Bahru in Malaysia, long in Singapore's shadow, is on the rise and making the most of its Chinese heritage. Can you imagine I was featured in the South China Morning Post? That's crazy. In January. Uh-huh. But amazing, you know, but we were overshadowed by the approaching covid so nobody paid attention to this news because we were in the middle of COVID at that time. I see. So the other story I want to bring up is the Sultana Fatima of Johor. Now, a lot of people are curious about her because she was a Chinese woman who was married to Temenggung Abu Bakar Maharaja. At that time, that was his title. So this lady, her name is Wong Akyu. She was a Cantonese and she took the Muslim name of Fatima binti Abdullah. So when she married the Maharaja Abu Bakr in 1885, he conferred upon her the title Maharani. So he was Maharaja, she was Maharani. Okay. So he he was he loved her so much and she was so highly regarded that in her honor he named the Moa district Banda Maharani after Maharani Fatima. So When the Maharaja was recognized as Sultan in 1886, Maharani Fatima was the only consort that he conferred with the title Sultana. So she was later known as Sultana Fatima. And because she shared the same surname as Wong Aofok, people say that she was his sister, but in fact, they are not. Mm. So in the Chinese culture, it was respectful to consider each other as brother or sister because you shared the same surname, but they are good friends. So and, and people also said that the Chinese bloodline in the Johor royal family was through Sultana Fatima. But in fact, I found out that this point had to be clarified and it is not true. Okay. So why don't you just read my story and you'll find out more. Okay? <laughs> and, and one of the other interesting stories that I like to mention is the brands that were established in Johor that have grown so big nationwide and in fact exported abroad is the art of the 24 festive drums. Mm. It started as a just a drum performance, 1988. Now it's 35 years on already. And what happened is the young drummers who started drumming in Johor Bahru back then, 
went to study in universities and colleges abroad, and they brought this art of drumming to the university in the UK, in the US, in Australia, in Japan, and you name it. And now some 400 drum troops are overseas. And it was started from a drum troop in Johor Bahru. Back then, it was only nine drummers when they started. But what happened is the two founders decided we want to make it more grand. So they were they were wondering how many drums. So they, just, they read a poem. The poem is about the 24 solar terms. This is a, a Chinese tradition of the four seasons set in 24 poems. And they adopted the 24 drums. So this is called the art of the 24 festive drums. So if you have a chance, I hope you can have a chance to watch this art of drumming. They use the Cantonese drum, but it is a dramatic drum performance complete with a dance choreography and storytelling. So this art of drumming is now a Malaysian national cultural heritage. In 2009, it was recognized by the Unity Culture Arts and Heritage Ministry. So it is a Johor-born art of drumming. People think it's Chinese. No, it's actually a very proudly born art of drumming from Johor. Okay, so and and that yeah, so there are some very unique customs and traditions that are just you know that the Johor, I mean, basically brought to the world as well, isn't it? And that kind of sets it apart from other cities in Malaysia as well. Would you say? Yes, yes. So there is a Johor is a very unique character, and and. There are many uh, things that people see, but they don't recognize what it is. For example, mm -hmm. if you are in Johor or you're traveling on the expressways in Johor, you look at the lampposts, you can see there is a motif of intertwined leaves. Actually, these are pepper and gambia plants. Why are they on the lampposts? Because Johor has a very proud heritage of pepper and gambia. What happened is that these plants, agriculture plants, earned a place of honour in Johor because of its widespread cultivation and it had a vital role that boosted the state's economy back in the 1800s. So Europe was a major market at the peak of the Gambia trade and Johor was the world's largest producer of Gambia. Now we know what is pepper, but what is Gambia? So before the invention of chemical dyes, the juice from the Gambia leaves was widely used for leather tanning and cloth dyeing. So in those days, we don't have so many colors, but Europe wanted an industry to make uniforms, clothes, fashion. So they imported Gambia from Johor. So this industry put Johor on the world map and brought wealth to the local community, the Malay landowners, the Chinese planters. Now, we remember that not just the Chinese, but also the Javanese cultivated pepper and gambia in Parit Jawa and in Padang in Moa. And the cultivation of pepper and gambia and in the development of the Johor economy was so significant that in the reign of Sultan Abu Bakar, the motive of these two agricultural commodities was adopted as a Johor icon. So you can see, when you see the Sultan wear his royal regalia, you will see the motive on the robes. Okay. You will see it at the back of the throne. You can see many places, even on their invitation cards, it has a Johor icon now. Okay? Okay. Okay. Mm. 
Mm. Excellent. Okay, I did not know that and I've driven past so many times. So thank you for clearing that up. That's so interesting. I have another interesting bit here that Johor Bahru at one time was known as Little Swatau. Swatau is a province in Guangdong in China. But why did Johor Bahru earn the name of a Techu town? This was because of the early Johor rulers. They invited the Chinese to come to Johor to open up the land to cultivate pepper and gambir. So from the time of Temenggong dying Ibrahim, when he invited the Chinese planters to move from Singapore or the Indonesian islands to open up the land to plant pepper and gambir. So remember, the word is invited. Mm -hmm. They came here. There were five main Chinese dialect groups, Hakka, Hokkien, Hainanese, Cantonese, but Techu was the dominant Chinese dialect who came here. So when the Techu people came here, they settled on the banks of the river and the area where they settled is called Kankatabrao in Johor Bahru. So this Techu people brought their culture here. So we have Techu opera, Techu music, and especially Techu food. Johor Bahru is very famous for cha kwe tiao, chai tao kwe. So we have the Techu braised duck. It is very classic. And they have got Techu desserts made from yam called orni. And in Johor, one of the interesting food that Johor Chinese are crazy about is kwe cha, which is a Johor delicacy. It is smooth rice noodles in a herbal soup that you eat with side dishes. When they go elsewhere, they can't find it. So they must come back to Johor to get that original taste. So Little Swatau was the name of Johor Bahru back in the day. Excellent. Yeah, sorry. You didn't know? No, I didn't know. Never heard of that, actually. Yeah. I I, I mean, uh, about the Chinese culture, I like to go on and talk about the Johor rulers from the time of Temenggong dying Ibrahim to the time of Sultan Abu Bakar. They worked closely with the Chinese community to develop the state of Johor through the cultivation and the export of quality gambir. So at that time, when they were invited to come, the Chinese were ready to come because the land that they were planting in were already exhausted. So they came and they started planting in what we call the Kangchu system. It's like a river master or a river lord. They are in charge of that piece of land. They are the administrator that they are supposed to govern that land as the owner of this Surat Sungai. It is a permit to cultivate the land. So this country will collect taxes. They were governed because those days, remember, there are no policemen and no government. So it was a system where the permit holders govern their plots of land. So in Johor, we still have many places that still keep the name of Kangka Tabrao, Kangka Pulai. And in Singapore, they still keep the area named after the permit holders. For example, the Chukang, the permit holder is Mr. Yo. Mm-hmm. So it's called Yo Chukang, Chua Chukang. It's still in Singapore. That's they have right. that. Yeah. Yeah. So it is interesting in Johor that one of the researchers that I came across, they found a very rare document about a conversation between China's first ambassador to the UK and Maharaja Abu Bakar. This was dated 1879 when they met in Singapore. At that time, Singapore is part of the Johor Empire. Okay. So the ambassador commented 
and his comments reflected Johor's cordial relationship with the Chinese emperor and his pleasure at how Johor had made Chinese planters very welcome here. So this relationship started way back then. So one of the interesting points about the Johor royal family is that the emperor of China awarded Sultan Abu Bakar with the Imperial Order of the Double Dragon in 1892. And this is an award to foreigners for their outstanding services to the throne. I thought it was a major achievement back in the day. So at that time, the Chinese were represented by the Chinese leader called Major China Tan Piok Ni. So what they do is all the Chinese business people have regular meetings with the Johor ruler in a, a hall that they called Daewan China. So that Daewan China is a building next to the Grand Palace. If you know Johor Bahru has that Grand Palace, Mr. Wong Afuk is credited for being the builder of the Grand Palace. Now the Daewan China was presented to the royalty for as a meeting place. So inside that hall, the decor has got two tall columns and posted on the columns are Chinese couplets or poems. And these were presented to the Johor Sultan at the inauguration of the Johor Sultanate. Now, till today, it's still standing very beautifully. What is interesting is that His Majesty Sultan Ibrahim revived the use of Dewan China and have tea gatherings with the Chinese business community held inside the Dewan China. And he is encouraging that mutual understanding among his right yet because he is promoting the concept of the Bangsa Johor. Okay. Okay. Have All you right. heard about that? No, no, no. I'm learning so much today, Peggy. Um, but yeah, we just need to go for one more quick break, Peggy. When we come back, mm-hmm. let's let's reflect on, uh, I guess, you know, the, the Johor Sultanate, right? And let's talk a little bit more about those sorts of stories. I'm speaking today to mm-hmm. Peggy Lowe. She's an author. We're talking about stories about Johor. We're talking about some of the stories that Peggy has, lit- has written uh, through her My Johor Stories series, uh, which includes her own personal accounts, but also uh, lots of stories from Johor from current personalities, uh, former personalities, all who have left their mark in Johor. We'll continue our discussion after this quick break. Keep it here on Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. On the line with me today, all the way from Johor Bahru, is Peggy Lowe. She's the author of the My Johor Stories series, lovely, lovely collection of stories uh, about Johor, about her own family life, about former and current personalities who have left their mark in Johor. And we're doing that because, of course, as we know, tomorrow, the Sultan of Johor, the ruler of Johor, His Royal Highness, the Sultan Ibrahim Sultan Iskandar, will be installed as the next Yang Dipertuan Agong. So we're celebrating Johor uh, on today's episode. So Peggy, Peggy, um, yes, all of us gearing up for that coronation tomorrow. You've done so much research on that. What would you say are some of the key landmarks or historical sites in Johor Bahru that actually reflect, you know, the royal legacy and, and, and also Johor's cultural heritage? That's a very good question because in Johor Bahru, what still stands today is a reflection of how the royal family has contributed to the cultural heritage in Johor Bahru. I like to call it simply the Johor Bahru Street of Harmony. So this is um, the religious and cultural unity that exists in our community is something that was established back in the day when the Sultan gave the piece of land to the people to build their places of worship. We begin from the top at Jalan Grejer, that and down to Jalan Trus, to Jalan Dobi, to Jalan Duke, 
that is our street of harmony from the top we saw the piece of land that was donated by sultan abu bakar first to build the church of our lady of lourdes and that same site is the place where the church of immaculate conception or cic is built and the marble statue of our lady in front is a gift from sultan sir ibrahim next to it at jalan gertak mera the holy light church was the presbyterian church which was built by reverend john angus cook it was built on land presented by sultan abu bakar and cook was helped by james meldrum who was the son-in-law of reverend kisbury a tutor to sultan abu bakar interestingly meldrum established the first industry in johor bahru the johor steam sawmill why because the timber harvested from the jungle in johor was cut into timber for export and meldrum supplied the timber to build the original church in in holy light church and holy light church remains the only chinese speaking church in malaysia and the oldest one and of course the chinese old temple remember the five chinese dialect groups that came to johor mm-hmm. the johor ruler united the chinese community by giving them a piece of land to build the johor old temple now most chinese temples were named the temple after a particular deity but the johor old temple has a name of the state in honor of sultan abu bakar who gave them the piece of land so the johor ruler understood the chinese tradition of ancestor worship because he also gave them piece of land for the cemetery the burial ground so the one of the traditions of the johor old temple is the johor chingi which mm-hmm. is an annual night parade mm-hmm. it is very a unique johor tradition which celebrates chinese new year up to 22 days while other states celebrate up to 15 days this is how unique johor is and most important is that his majesty sultan ibrahim comes and graces the events with his royal presence so for the indian community during the time of sultan sir ibrahim the laborers who came to work at the plantation needed a place of worship and this is when a piece of land at jalan unkupuan was given to build the indian temple and now the temple is named arumigu raja mariaman devasthanam temple the word raja was incorporated in the temple name to honor sultan sir ibrahim so as for the sikh is the same thing but what happened was the gurudwara sahib sikh temple was built because of the bravery of quick thinking sikh policemen so Sultan Sir Ibrahim had a rubber estate and the store in the fi- rubber estate caught fire and it was the workers the workers couldn't put it up put it out and the police were called and the Sikh policemen ran carts of water to the scene and they were the ones who put out the fire and in gratitude the sultan gave them the piece of land across the road from the Johor Old Temple to build the Sikh Gurdwara and so here we are these are the landmarks that still remain because of the generosity of the sultans what an amazing yeah i don't think many people who don't remember the history right we see these landmarks there but we forget that yeah these were gifted by the the sultan right uh, at the mm-hmm. time of course and yes. really you know um he was a sultan for all yeah uh, yes. definitely yeah um 
I'm afraid we're just running out of time, Peggy. But, you know, the, there's, there's so much happening, right? So much excitement now in Johor with, you know, the current sultan uh, taking on, uh, you know, the, being the next Agong and everything. How do you see the future of Johor evolving? You know, do you see any opportunities or challenges, uh, you know, with all of these new changes that are coming Johor's way? The best part about our Johor Sultan is he has a reputation as a no-nonsense Sultan. <laughs> so I guess many people in um, are waiting to see what is going to happen next, but I'm sure he has a heart for everyone and nobody will be left out. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Peggy. And of course, you know, you are continuing to write stories. You know, you've, you're very active on your blog. You know, from all of your writing, what would you say has been the most rewarding aspect uh, of writing my Joho stories? <laughs> what a question. No, <laughs> through my Joho stories, suddenly I became the unofficial ambassador for Joho. <laughs> I am deeply humbled by this recognition, but there are others like Datin Patricia or Datuk Rahim who are respected as authorities on the culture and heritage of Johor, but their books are more academic in nature. But my Johor stories is the popular voice. It is easier reading and, and it's more relatable. So people who live abroad or who are homesick for Johor, they can appreciate Johor and they and they miss Johor. And so when they read my Johor stories, they feel at home again. Definitely. Uh, even I can vouch for that. My sister lives in the UK. She loves your books. It just brings her back home and she absolutely adores it. And, it's, and of course, it is available uh, for purchase, isn't it, Peggy? How can we get our hands on, on your books? My books are published by MPH and they are available from MPH bookstores nationwide and online as well on MPH online. But because the first book became number one on the MPH nonfiction bestseller list in 2017 i'm afraid the stocks might be running low so uh, i guess book two and book three are still available so get them online but in johor the sad news is mph closed all the bookstores in johor baru mm. after the two years of uncertainty but i have permission to carry some of the books here so they are available in johor baru at two places one is jaro the other one is y space Okay. All right. So, and, and as I mentioned, you do have a blog as well uh, and you keep, yes. you update folks there as well on your blog? Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. So things that are happening currently, like for instance, this interesting interview with you, I will post it on, on my blog so oh, that readers you. can see what is happening as well. Okay. And and that blog I, is? is The blog is pegilo.com or My Joho Stories. You can find it. Okay. Peggy, thank you so much, you know, for such a lovely, lovely walk down uh, memory lane. Uh, there's so many places that, of course, close to me as well. You know, I went to Holy Light Kindergarten. I go to CIC Church, you know, so so many roads and so many familiar uh, names mm -hmm. there. And But now I know the stories behind it. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, we'll definitely be in touch to hear more stories. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I was speaking to Peggy Lowe, author uh, of My Johor Stories. Again, you know, just head to her website if you'd like to purchase her books or if you'd like to follow her blog. It's just PeggyLowe.com. But if you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash learn. You can also find it on the BFM app. This has been Live and Learn on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.